0: In World Central Kitchen, we try to make sure one thing, that every problem that we face is connected to many others and that you cannot handle one problem alone without understanding all the connections with everything else around. Because when you do it this way, you will be in better shape to handle that problem by at the same time helping other problems that surround that one.
1: Hey, food fans. I'm food writer and culinary entrepreneur Sabrina Medora, and you're listening to Homemade by All Recipes. Each week, we bring you talented home cooks, authors, chefs, and celebrities to discuss the memories and traditions behind their favorite foods, along with discussions on what's happening in food culture today. Our guest today is leading the charge on using food as a means to convey dignity to all, especially those suffering from hunger, natural disasters, and climate change.
0: Chefs of America, we should be more outspoken about the way we are feeding America. Not only about what I'm feeding them in my restaurant or in the great restaurants of America. It's only one, two, three percent of the Americans that eat in those restaurants. We should be more committed about the other 97% of Americans that don't come to our restaurants. That should be what I hope one day will be my little contribution.
1: He owns nearly three dozen restaurants. He has just launched a new media company. Runs one of the largest food-related charities in the world, and has so many accolades to his name. People have got to have lost count by now. He has been named one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people not once but twice. He's been awarded Outstanding Chef and Humanitarian of the Year by James Beard Foundation. He's won the Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Association of Culinary Professionals. He was a awarded the National Humanities Medal from President Barack Obama in 2015. He is known all over the world for his business acumen, his leadership, and he was even nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Listeners, please join me in welcoming Chef Jose Andres. Well, Chef, thank you very much for joining us. I'm really appreciative of you calling in. Not only do you own three dozen restaurants nearly, but you're also heavily expanding your restaurant group through 2021. You've just launched a new media company. And by the way, you're doing all of this amazing relief work with World Central Kitchen. Can you tell us what you've been doing with World Central Kitchen this year?
0: Yeah. Listen, what has happened this pandemic and especially through Zoom and other ways is that I feel you can do more if you concentrate, right? And you're in one place. In my case, I have a hard time concentrating. Even I thrive through doing multiple things at once. I realize I like to do that when I'm in one place, I'm better. So all the things you describe, obviously, uh, World Central Kitchen, I put probably even more time than in my own for-profit company. World Central Kitchen is it's, it's a gift to me because provide me the way to serve, better, more organized, and every time trying to do more. Anybody that is able used to hand a plate of food to anybody else, to me, is already a hero. But we all know that the need out there keeps growing. And World Central Kitchen, many people think we are a, a fighting hunger organization. And We are not really that. We are an emergency food and water organization. Why the difference? We realized that over time, as I was watching from the comfort of my house or my restaurants, uh, I remember seeing Katrina. And inside me was building this thing of, oh, look at what's happening. Look at all these people suffering, but especially one moment when we were reading or watching on TV that the Superdome was full of people that uh, needed food and water. And they weren't there because the low nine was used full of water. For me, it was amazing to be recently in Louisiana, in New Orleans with World Central Kitchen and being there in the low nine helping. Many chefs in New Orleans randomly with big heart and empathy uh, did what they could through the restaurants. And I saw that that the empathy is real and the willingness for the people to help is real. But what I began learning is that we needed a more organized way to do it. So the power of the few coming together can become a powerful agent of change and in this case of help fellow Americans in need. Now we arrive to support locals as much as the locals support us and we become a family, and then we have a quick and fast response. This is what we are becoming. World Central Kitchen in this pandemic, we've done millions of meals. I think it's more than 50 by now. You see, in World Central Kitchen, we try to make sure one thing, that every problem that we face is connected to many others and that you cannot use, handle one problem alone without understanding all the connections with everything else around. Because when you do it this way, you will be in better shape to handle that problem by at the same time helping other problems that surround that one. At the end, when you do things in the right way, you don't only throw money at the problem, which is in sometimes feeding the hungry, but you are investing in the solution, which is maintaining the people that are in need with the dignity they deserve, feeding them, but in the process, keeping the economy up and running. You see, Every dollar then is multiplied by three. Then you can have hope that, yes, we stop throwing money at the problem, start investing into solutions. Maybe, maybe we can slowly create a better tomorrow for everyone.
1: And World Central Kitchen actually invested over $160 million into restaurants just during COVID-19.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the work that Nate Moog, the leader of World Central Kitchen, Has done through this pandemic. Remember, more than 80, 70, 80% of the money we get at World Central Kitchen comes from donors, one dollar at a time. Then, yes, we had some foundations and some bigger donors, but we really had the support of the people. I always felt that that was the best way to do it showing people what we were doing in real time, landing first in the Bahamas, landing first in Beirut and feeding. Within 12 hours, 10,000 people around the ground zero on that explosion, the same in every other hurricane when we know quick on the earthquakes, quick on the fires, quick on the emergencies, we are there. We're there quick and we're there fast. So people support us because they see a reality in our actions. We are under promise and we over deliver. And usually by the time people donate money to us, we already spend that money because we are not the organization that waits around because people don't want our pity, they want our respect. The way to give respect in those situations is being with them in the moment they need it the most, not a week later, not a month later. In the urgency of now, is now. People go thirsty and hungry very quickly in these events in ways people don't know. And when somebody told you, Jose, don't overdo it means that they've never been in those situations. I've been now plenty of times in those situations and people know it and I know it and my teams have been there too. And we know what people go through and um, what we're trying to bring in a moment of chaos and mayhem, a little hope. We are here with you. You're not going to walk alone. You're not going to go one more day feeling like the world is over for you. We're going to show you that is hope tomorrow because we're going to come back every day. And we are not only going to be bringing food and water if you need it, but we're going to try to be bringing other things that you may need. Or we, we may be bringing other organizations that may cover other things you may need. Uh, giving the bigger organizations to come in, like whatever is FEMA doing, you know, reconstruction or others. And World a Kitchen, um, we used to be the people that came and nobody expected us to come. And now I feel sometimes it's like, where are you?
1: Yeah. And it bears mentioning that When you say we are there first, you are physically there most of the time. You are serving in those front lines, in the trenches, with your other chefs, with your colleagues. And it's interesting because on this podcast, we've talked about what food means to so many people. Food means family. Food means culture. Food means comfort. But for you, food is the equivalent of dignity, you see the humanity in them. You see the necessity of not just slapping on anything, but giving them what's truly going to be of nourishment.
0: I mean, obviously nourishment has to be the physical part itself, but it's more than that. People need sometimes to speak to somebody, look at their eyes. And you need to be there just listening to what they're asking, or sometimes they're not asking for anything. Just they're sharing with you their sorrows their feelings, what they lost, what they don't have anymore, how hard they work for what they got. And sometimes it's what people need, especially in the early days. Sometimes we don't understand the power uh, of food because we take food for granted. Um, But these people that don't take food for granted because they have to fight every single day to have a plate of food on the table. For me to be there, I do it in a very selfish way. I came to America with $50. I always tell the story, but I had a job, I had a bed, I had a place to sleep, and I had a visa. More than many immigrants around the world can wish for. I was a lucky guy. And maybe because I was blonde and blue eyes, still I had the blue eyes. I don't have the blonde anymore. Uh, I was given opportunities that maybe other people that didn't look like me didn't got. Or I was given the benefit of the doubt. I know it. I don't feel guilty about it, but I'm conscious about it. And that's why I feel I've been given much is my role, as is the role of many, of trying to give back a little bit of everything I got. Uh, I have an okay life. I go on vacation when I want. I have my duties and responsibilities. Uh, I have an amazing wife, which very much is who I am. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't do Anything of what I ever did, I am her. My three daughters, I'm blessed in all those things. Many of us have more than we need for the rest of our lifetime. And others don't even have enough for that moment of hunger and sorrow and cannot be so much inequality.
1: you're listening to homemade. When we return, chef Jose Andres talks about cooking with his wife and children, gives some tips on pecan pie and tells us how he assisted in getting the pie emoji on your smartphone. All that and more after the break. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to Homemade. I'm Sabrina Medora, and my guest this week is legendary chef and philanthropist Jose Andres. We do have to talk a little bit about some fun stuff. (laughs) It seems so frivolous, especially when there's so much more we could speak about with this. But you may think that it's selfish what you're doing, but of course, the rest of the world sees it a little bit differently. You've been Humanitarian of the Year from the James Beard Foundation. You've had the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Association of Culinary Professionals. You've got the National Humanities Medal from President Obama. On and on it goes, even a nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize. And it all goes to say, you give so much to others. And today we want to hear a little bit about what you do for you. So, I know that family means everything to you. And I love watching you cooking with your family, being at home with your family. It's so it always brings a smile to my face because there's so much genuine joy there. Uh, And I want to start talking about your wife, Patricia, who seems like an absolute darling. And I read somewhere that she refers to you as the salt of her life, that you add flavor, which I think is adorable. uh so do you both like to cook together
0: yeah i mean my wife is the one that makes sure my daughters have day to day today and the food they need for school and me i'm the guy that i'm like the special teams in a football game right i'm always cooking every almost every day uh in my house i'm always preparing something but my wife also makes sure that my daughters have the food they like, they, they love everything. But sometimes it's, daddy, we want the chickpeas and the spinach of grandma. Um, we want the lentils of mom. <laughs> we love your stuff, but sometimes, you know, we need to break here. But in my home, very much everybody's opinionated about food and everybody knows what they want. And we have a big table in the middle of the kitchen in our home. Very much the heart of the home is a kitchen. Not very sophisticated kitchen, just has five, six burners. But very much I have everything. Piece of equipment there you need. Obviously, this pandemic, I think many families in America around the world, cooking was a way used to bring the family together in a household that probably they were not so used to to cook every day together. In my home, the times I was at home, we would cook every single night. The ritual was always the same. Everybody would be working and on Zoom and My wife will go for a walk. I will go with her. If we had activations in D.C., Virginia, Maryland, or Pennsylvania, that's what I would do during the day. My wife will be very happy because that's the way I can put my energy away. We all need a person like the person I have next to me, which is my wife in our lives. I always say that we are only as good as the people we have around us. And we all humans, we have the best angels inside us. But also we know we have some demons too. And we need to have friends and make sure that, that that's a matter, those moments that, in my case, raising the boys, that I have the people that, hey, that's my wife for me. I believe that, you know, all the things I've done in the last eight years, if I didn't found this woman called Patricia that we call her Tichy, uh, I don't know where I would be right now. But I wouldn't be probably in Washington. And who knows what I would be? But I know I'm in a better place because I found her.
1: That's really beautiful. That's a good tribute. Is there a a meal or a recipe or even an ingredient that reminds you of Patricia or your relationship with her?
0: I mentioned before the the spinach and chickpeas, garbanzos con espinacas. This is a dish that can be brought back, probably has many influences, but is an Arab Moorish influence for sure. Because doesn't have any pork, which in, in many ways can be said that probably is also Jewish influence in some ways. And that's a dish that is highly beloved in my house. Her mother, the grandmother of my daughters, is who she learned it from. They will eat it growing up at home. But still, I remember one time as I was a young, young chef in Washington D.C., and she was trying to impress me. That she went through the entire process of making the chickpeas with the spinach with her mom on the phone, and I'm talking in the days that AT&T will be a dollar or more per minute calling Spain or Europe. Uh, I don't think I've seen a more expensive telephone call for a recipe in the history of mankind. <laughs> we got many, many great moments cooking together. Like I remember, we were just got married, and we still were living in downtown DC, and Her uncle uh, was in the Spanish embassy. and We will go to their home on Thursday to celebrate Thanksgiving. And that Wednesday night, I came back late from work. My restaurant was down from the apartment. We leave Jaleo, my first restaurant. And I really wanted to make uh, pecan pie. And I got this great recipe from Dr. Kimball from Cook's Illustrated and Test Kitchen, um, which is still, I think, the best and pie in the history still to this day. And, and we did the recipe, not in a traditional round cake, but in a rectangle, big one, because we were going to be a lot of people. And I was late because we didn't do turkey because we were a lot of people. And, and me, I wanted to do, I did quails, stab with mushrooms and black trumpets and foie gras and black truffles. Yeah, fancy.
1: Sounds better than turkey. <laughs>
0: and cooks quicker and it's juicy and it's amazing. Even I make a very good juicy turkey, but that's for another moment. So we finished late making the, the quails and the stuffing them. And and at the end, we put the cake, <laughs> the pecan pie in the oven. And we fall asleep waiting for it, oh. drinking some wine. And I, I was awake by the beautiful, deep caramelized aroma. In the air
1: Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> and good luck we put the oven fairly low because that recipe with the egg yolks and everything requires a low temperature oven so the coagulation happens perfectly and the and the pecan pie is like amazing texture in the mouth lower you cook the pecan pie better is the outcome
1: okay
0: uh, first you obviously have to cook the base before and you have to toast the pecans which is amazing but then you want to cook it very low. We cook it for so many hours, but it never burned. Even was already that moment, my yard reaction starts happening. That we took it off. And I'm like, oh man, okay, tomorrow we'll make another one or we'll buy one. When we wake up in the morning, to my surprise, when I grab it, it was very hard. It was hard like a rock. It's like we make pecan pie brittle. Okay. that you could get a piece and wanted to have a super soft, like almost melts in your mouth, pecan pie with maple syrup we put instead of the normal syrup and, and the egg yolks. And when I put it in my mouth, it was like you could barely bite it and will <laughs> we'll break into pieces, very light and fluffy. So to a degree, then we created a new pecan pie. But this was amazing. That this almost was the day we burned an entire house, entire building by <laughs> falling asleep, preparing for a Thanksgiving and dinner where there was no turkey and where the pecan pie became something else.
1: The, the pecan brittle sounds excellent, but listeners, I would not recommend trying that at home. <laughs> I know that your daughters love being in the kitchen with you as well. Your TikTok is filled with videos of you and your daughter singing along, doing all of that. When did you start cooking with your kids?
0: Well, very much like my father and mother began cooking with me, very Mm immediately. I have a lot of moments with my daughters in the kitchen that when they were little, literally, they will be on top of the counter, on top of the kitchen table, probably sometimes too close to the fire, as some people will see if they see the photos. But understanding that my daughters, they've been grabbing knives since they were very young my learning has been always that the more you know about something, the more you protect the people you love from it. Mm. And danger is danger when you don't know about it. When you understand the risk involved uh, is when I believe you make people safer. But they will always cook. They will always be taking the beautiful, ruby, crystal clear pearls inside the pomegranate and making a mess in the process. And seeing their faces turning strange when they will put the bitter yellowish part of the pomegranate in their mouth because they were experiencing on their own. And to me, it was fascinating to see those moments of discovery of of awe. Now that Juan graduated, uh, Carlotta, and she's in New York, and she's the one now recommending me restaurants. And she's the one now getting me in the door She's 22 <laughs> and telling me about the dark, the,
1: best. <laughs> the
0: difficult to dark places that you'll never go because they are in a neighborhood that maybe you'd never go. And daddy, this is amazing. This is Ethiopian. Or, this is Lebanese. these are names that even I think I know everything about food. You only realize every day of your life that you actually know nothing. And Ines, my second daughter, still is in university sending me photos of the dishes just she cooked for the rest of the people living with her in the dorm or asking me daddy can you buy me this this and this in the farmer's market or daddy can you give me a tip about this and she's showing dishes that she's very proud of and lucia my third one she loves to do pastries is how she feels inspired and and she will risk anything, even trying the most difficult things and success or failure, she'll be a happy girl. And this shows you a lot because I was always very afraid. I'm always very afraid to fail when I'm cooking for somebody. In the restaurant, you are only as good as the last meal you ever cooked. And maybe you had a lot of people that they've been waiting all their life to go to eat your food. And I take that seriously. But also when I cook for friends, I'm always cooking for friends. I'm always with food in my car. Uh, if I'm away, I always have a knife. I, I, I'm always ready to feed people. And I never repeat dishes because I get bored and because life is short and I only have so many more meals I had in my life. You never know when it's going to be your last meal. So I'm making sure that every meal counts. And every meal has a story. And every meal is celebrated with friends and family or people you don't know, but that you're happy you met them. Even when sometimes life, as you grow older, Seems you don't have more space for more people in your heart or in your brain, but somehow you have to make it because life is too short not to try to make more space for everybody. So that's what cooking is. Uh, goes back to my dad showing me how to make a paella for many people and my mom being upset that my father will invite the entire hospital. There were nurses and, and my father said, I don't know who is coming, but don't worry. <laughs> and my mother said, well, don't worry. Last time you said, no worry, and 50 people came, and we were expecting 10. My father would always say, more people come, you just add more rice to the pot. And my father showed me the power of fire and showed me that controlling the fire was more important than the cooking itself. And one day when I got upset because I wanted to cook and he needed my help making the fire, he put me a- aside and told me, my son, everybody wants to do the steering, Everybody wants to do the cooking right on. Nobody talks about the fire, about mastering the fire, knowing the fire, knowing your fire, master your fire, and then you can do any cooking you want. Obviously, this was a great lesson for a young cook in the making, but I think this was even a bigger lesson. If I romanticize that moment that he was sending me this, the lesson, like a metaphor that we all must know our fire. We all must master our fire. And then, and only then, we can do any cooking we want with our lives. I do believe that that's a story and, and a moment in my life that served me very well. I keep cooking paellas in an open fire often, and remember my father. Uh, and now, fills me with joy when I see that some of my daughters there already on their own making a paella from scratch. Controlling the fire. And if something I learned. But I learned thanks to my fire. I don't have anything to claim my father. But in a way, we can always be a little bit better because we learn from people we love, even when they were not so perfect. And now I'm able to make the fire for my daughter as she's cooking the paella, reversing what my father and I did 40 years ago.
1: That's beautiful. Paella is one of your most notable dishes, especially in D.C. Do you have any advice for people that are looking to make paella at home?
0: Yeah, you just be ready to fail. <laughs> and then if you're going to do paella, don't think about doing paella one day. You just try to think about doing paella many days and learn every time from your mistakes. And please don't follow any British chef about how to make a paella. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I like them, but, but you know, I mean, when I want to learn how to make your short pudding, I, I look at British chefs. I, I, I don't go to Italy. <laughs> I mean, really, if you want to learn paella, buy a book of a Spanish chef or watch a YouTube video of a Spanish chef or go to a webpage called wikipaella.com
1: wiki
0: okay. paella.com and with those guys i'm very honored that we were able to put the emoji in your phone we created the paella emoji with those guys of Wikipedia.
1: oh how cool
0: we worked for three four years until we got the right paella valenciana in one of the emojis
1: i'm gonna check my phone right now i didn't even know this was a thing <laughs> i love it Right there. Learn something new. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, my gosh.
0: The right paella valenciana has chicken and rabbit, olive oil tomato, a dry bean called garufo, which if you don't have it, you can find any dry bean and that's it. A green bean, the flat one, and a touch of rosemary at the end, salt, some saffron, may have some snails or not, may have some artichokes or not in some variations that that may be allowed. But that said, people, that said, it's not chorizo. This is not a pizza that you can put anything you want on it, okay? (laughs) This is not Hawaiian pizza, it is not. And by the way, I like Hawaiian pizza. Even last time I ate it was 20 years ago. I wanna put paella on the space one day. I'm gonna put paella on the space one day. In the space space. Are you
1: gonna send it with Jeff Bezos?
0: We will if we have to.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, we need to make sure that Jeff listens to this particular episode. and Maybe we'll do a special episode from the rocket ship in space eating paella.
0: We will. With the grains floating in the air and us having a chopstick picking one by one.
1: <laughs> a, yes. A
0: levitating paella.
1: All of the cultures coming together. Boom. Excellent. Excellent. Well, chef, thank you so much for joining us. It was truly a privilege to speak with you and learn more. Tell us how can our listeners support World Central Kitchen.
0: So you, you use go to worldcentralkitchen.org, but more important, use follow us on Twitter and use find out what we do in real time. And let's hope, God willing, that we will never be near your community because that means something happened. But let me tell you. Uh, If something happens in your community, I want you to know one thing. We will be there next to you. And if you feel you're able and you're okay, and your people and your family is okay, and you can be there with us, we take everyone that has with a big heart of empathy, believing that everybody should be fed in emergencies, believing that longer tables will win the day, and understanding that very big problems, sometimes they have very simple solutions. Sometimes you only need to start cooking.
1: Excellent. God willing, we will see each other in good circumstances. The last time I saw you in person, I think I even still have the video on my phone, is you and Carla Hall dancing to Beyonce's single ladies on stage <laughs> that, <laughs> for racing competition. Yeah,
0: I, 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 it's the moment <laughs> that you hate is videos on the cameras. Uh, because Carla (laughs) looks awesome under any circumstance but I cannot say the same about this 52-year-old boy already Um, You
1: have moves, Chef You have moves (laughs) I was very impressed I thought it was excellent (laughs) and I hope that we get to see each other in something like that soon
0: Listen, thank you for inviting me to your podcast Thank you, I love you
1: Well, that was an incredible episode, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to keep up with what Chef Jose Andres is doing, you can follow through worldcentralkitchen.org, joseandres.com, or find him on Instagram at Chef Jose Andres. Next time on Homemade, we are closing out this incredible second season with Top Chef All-Stars winner and mentor for a couple of new cooking series, Richard Blaze.
0: I think you've also stumbled into another part of great delicious food.
1: It does taste better when someone else does the work, especially when it's someone that you love. Like there's no more show of care and love than cooking for someone. That's why we do it, right? So when your husband's making a sandwich, it's coming from
0: a totally different place. And like you are receiving all of that love through a delicious bite, every bite of his sandwiches, which are perfect.
1: You won't want to miss it. So be sure to follow Homemade on your favorite podcast app. And listen, we're always looking for feedback on the show. So if you love us and have a second, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Medora or at sabrinamedora.com. This podcast was produced by All Recipes with Digital Content Director Jason Burnett. A huge thank you to our production team, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Daniel Roth, Jim Hankey, Maya Croth, and Andy Bosnack at Pod People. This is Homemade. I'm Sabrina Medora. And remember, cook with love, eat with joy.